Hey, it's your boy Diego Pereira, aka El Pantera Nigger, representing Southside MMA and H Legacy Team, and you're listening to the Dojo Live podcast. Good? Oh, it's good. You can hear us, all right? Yep. Man, I can't believe he's just straight into it, just like that. Just hit the oh man, I, I've I've got to hear the theme song, man. It's been so long. You know the, what I'm saying? When you hear the theme song, does it make you more comfortable? It gives me butterflies, go. but then it's like you know, it, it gives me a nice warmth. Comes <laughs> over me. I'm just here. Ooh, shit! <laughs> <laughs> We're getting it in. Let's go. It's perfect, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. For those of you who are wondering who our guest is tonight, uh, it's none other than Diego Pantera. Pantera Negra. Yes, sir. <laughs> we out here. Fantastic. We got Diego. He's fighting in uh, upcoming, headlining, upcoming. Not headlining, co-main. Co-main, is it? Against uh, Aaron. Aaron Blackie. Blackie. Ooh. Damn. That's a fight. It is a fight. I've been, I've been watching both of them on Instagram, <laughs> checking out the, the pad works and the, uh, and the jiu-jitsu game. Very exciting. I'm looking forward to it, man. It's a good challenge ahead and uh, we've got the answer. Fantastic. So, Diego, let's uh, before we talk about your fight, let's talk about you, Diego. Because <laughs> people want to know, man. Yeah, what do they want to know? They want to know who's this guy? Who's this guy just rocked up to the to the office? <laughs> no, well, we're talking before um, off air. We're talking about, um, I guess, uh, one of the things um, I was asking is about how you got into martial arts. Like, how did you get into, or why? First of all, why do you want a cage fight for? Why? Yeah. That's a good question. Um, why do I want a cage fight? Man, that's like a very deep, deep question. I feel like I could answer that in many ways. But for me, because this is a selfish sport at the end of the day, and I do it for, for many reasons, not just a single one, but I feel like at the end of the day, I'm doing it for me because I enjoy and I'm good at it. And I want to be great. I thought you were going to say just because you had violent tendencies, but <laughs> that charming smile. <laughs> so yeah, because it's it's so um, like MMA, mixed martial arts. There's so many elements that go into it, right? Like you got to do your wrestling, your jiu-jitsu, your striking, and um, how much of your day is involved in trying to actually do the uh, work on the physical aspect of the game, and then how much of your day goes into strategizing and learning the mental aspects of the martial arts game. Mm. Yeah, so I, I train anywhere from three to four hours a day um, and just physical training. And then mentally, it's it's 24-7, like, because I sleep martial arts. So I'm a fan of the sport first, and uh, so I love watching fights. And so I watch all the MMA fights, and especially in particular, you know, my favorite fighters or if I'm studying a particular opponent and I try to, you know, look for the tapes, etc. But... Um, I watch fights all the time. So in that, I'm learning as well. So that's while I'm giving my physical body a rest, I'm working my mind. Um, and I also try to get in, you know, some visualizations. I believe in that. It works. It helps a lot. Um, so working in that, you know, just breathing in and just trying to visualize, you know, different aspects. And also, um, if I worked on a certain technique that day or type of things I had, a, uh, you know, a difficulty with, I try to visualize it going back over the steps and trying to recreate that scenario in my head again. Um, and um, there's actual, you know, 
um, studies done in that that it actually helps you perform so it goes hand in hand you know both the physical and the mental when you try mental practice and physical practice it helps you so I, I try to do that and I find that it helps me a lot you know to develop just taking two steps back there you're talking about being the martial artist so it's a question I used to ask all the time are you the athlete or are you the martial artist like what's the journey I'm both because <laughs> I mean I can't you can't be one without being the other I I, I feel like I'm more of an athlete um, because I, I love getting into my physical training and keeping my body in shape, being able to run faster, lift you know more and jump higher, that sort of stuff. Um, and that helps me with my martial arts development. Yeah. So I can't you know sort of neglect one to sort of devote more time to the other. So in the same token, um, I'm trying to study the greats that, that's done it before me and or maybe somebody that I look up to um, to see what they have done to tr to get to where they're at and maybe emulate some of the things they have done and see if it works for me. Yep. Um, so in that way, I'm the martial artist, but it, when it comes to me preparing myself and there's, uh, you know, I'd be a fool not to uh, try to become a better athlete. So I think I wouldn't say I'm a martial artist only or an athlete only, I'm both, so. Done. <laughs> so. What was the catalyst to um, start on your martial arts journey? Was there a movie that you saw? Was there like, did you get your ass kicked when you were a kid? And you're like, man, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> learn some skills. Like, what, what was it like? Cause a lot did of you earn a pair of nunchucks? <laughs> Bro, I've, look, I've done Kung Fu a little bit back in, fuck, I don't know the year, but uh, I was very, very young. I think I was maybe like nine years old. Um, I earned a scholarship to, to train Kung Fu. Um, yeah, wow. And but in order to do that, he's the kicker. I had to do ballet, dude. And think back as a freaking nine-year-old boy growing up, you know, in the tough streets of Brazil, you get bullied a lot. I'm like, mm, I'm not doing fucking ballet. Fuck this girl, <laughs> shit. you know what I mean? But like, it was like either that or you don't do kung fu at all. So I was like, oh, I really want to get into this. So you know, I used to get a lot of ass whoopings growing up. You know, give some as well, whatever. But um, it wasn't. Actually, that that got me started into mixed martial arts. Um, so I had done, you know, coming from Brazil, my father was a capoeira uh, master. If you guys don't know what capoeira is, it's a traditional martial arts that originated in Brazil that the slaves um, developed. Um, and so I used to do that. My, my father did that for a long time. And so we sort of, you know, they used to have these social projects to keep kids off the streets in oh, Brazil. Wow. So my brother and I got involved. We did that for a little bit. So I did a, you know, a bunch of things for a little while, but never did anything long term growing up in Brazil. Um, and so when I moved here, I was about 16. Um, I was working this job and a friend of mine, he's also uh, Brazilian. He was telling me at the time, this, at the time I was 19, uh, he was telling me about MMA. And how there was this Brazilian champion, you know, just dominating the thing. And he's like, dude, you got to watch this. I'm like, ooh, I wonder who it is. And little did I know, he was talking about Anderson Silva. So that day I went home and, uh, you know, started researching, you know, MMA, whatever. Started watching fights and that, you know what I mean? That's when I started, oh, I could, you know, I hated the job I was doing. It's like, bro, you should do this, man, you know, whatever. Um, and so I started, you know, researching MMA. I like what I saw. I said, I could do this. So researched the gym just to, you know, learn the sport. Didn't have in my mind that I wanted to do it as a career, um, but that I wanted to, to learn. So that's how it sort of started for me. And then went on from there. Yeah, nice. So we were talking before about uh, how you've, 
how you've I guess developed as a as an athlete as a martial artist where you've trained under a, a few different people um can you tell us like where you've trained and who you've trained with and have you how you've come to this today to this it's a lot <laughs> um, the short I, I, version yeah <laughs> um I'm still a baby in this sport man as you as you guys know we both practiced martial arts before and um it takes it takes a lifetime, you know, to become you know great and and achieve your peaks and all that. Um, so for the little time that I have been training, seven years um, or so, um, I've trained under many people and currently. So I've learned from them all, right? And currently, I'm training with uh, with what I consider the best team in in Australia uh, by far. Currently, we you know we're growing you know by leaps and bounds every every day. Um, so we got some really strong guys there at the moment, but I've been with the guy who, uh, coach talk about coach post earlier for a little bit. Um, the way I met him was actually, I was with, um, going off on a tangent here. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting fact because not many people know this. Paul is, is, you know, on the surface, you look at him, you know, he's such a badass, but he's actually a sweetheart and like a very kind-hearted person um so i was before i joined Southside mma i was under i think this gym called combat sports um whom i don't think they're around now but i had this fight i was like heavily outmatched you know the guy i didn't have a clue what i was doing i think i had at the time three months of training i relied, usually rely on your coach to be more experienced to be like yeah this is a good matchup for you or whatever yeah it's only amateur that's what he told me it's only amateur fight you'll be all right um, so he didn't do his due diligence to research the guy, find out more about him, whatever. So we got matched. We fought at lightweight, 70 kilos, walk around weight, no weight cutting. This guy comes into weight and he's like looking like a mummy, sick, <laughs> and then shows up like a freaking giant on fight night. Damn. Anyway, fast forward, I get my ass whooped. And so I'm in the locker room. I'm crying my eyes out. Out comes this freaking Russian giant. He's like, it's all right, bro. Talking in my ears, like, it's all right. I'm crying. He's like, it's all right, bro. It's all right, man. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna get better. You're gonna, you're gonna recover from this. It's all right. Don't let it affect you, man. Oh. And so, the guy wasn't even my coach back then. And um, after that, like, I still remember to this day. You know, I feel the emotions. And he could have simply just looked at me and be like, oh, well, whatever. Uh, but he came over to me and you know offered me some words of encouragement. And I, you know, I really, I really appreciate that. And uh, so Paul Stoyer is uh, my main head coach to this day. He's been, I think, over six years now, and uh, he's, a, he's a great dude. So one of on, one of my coaches is uh, Coach Paul Stoyer, and uh, and I also have Coach uh, Des, uh, aka Damage, yeah. Des Maya, um, another OG man. He's uh, he's, been, he's trained with, you know, he's done so much in his life. He's learned from some of the greats. And uh, he's, again, another person who influences me a lot in my martial arts career. Um, and also as a, as a person, man, and as a man, he gives me a lot of advices. And I've been with him as well since the beginning, since I moved to Southside, since the old shed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, been rocking together. I, was, I went overseas, did some training over there, and then I was about to come back. I hit him up. I was like, yo, Des, coming back, man, I got this fight in like two months. You know, can we do some pad work? He's like, no problem, champ. 
when you when you you know when you land hit me up so we you know he didn't have a setup or anything he wasn't even coaching anymore i think yeah. at that time and he was like come to the garage at the house and we, we yeah. will get some work in we started again man and, and it's it. been i think three years and we've been on a tear since then yeah, and man. then uh I coach coach Pohane joined forces with him who's another you know badass he's got so many um you know different setups with his muay thai he's, he's you know he's he's, he's been out there with some of the best as well um so him and, and daz they formed my striking coaches coach paul him and damage may um they're my striking coaches coach paul Stewart is my um mma head coach and uh vicente cavalcanti of course whom is a brazilian brother um uh, he's been my bjj coach from the beginning so those um those God damn it, Ooh. four guys. <laughs> Send me feel, back feels, to school. I didn't finish high school, by the way. It feels like a whole for, team. It does feel like there's more yeah. because of all the knowledge. <laughs> that, you know. Yeah, so those guys, I, I mean, it's, but like I said, these are my main coaches at the moment. But I have learned from so many people. I learned from my own training partners and, uh, you know, coaches that I've been overseas and trained and et cetera. But uh, these guys have certainly uh, influenced me the most in, in my martial arts journey. So when... When it comes down to, and this is the question we were talking about just before, how's it going to work when they, they get announced <laughs> where you're fighting out of? We, we, have, a, we have a situation. <laughs> 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 you're going to have to pronounce, hey, he trains under Paul Stoller, Desmay, Paul Hame, I don't know, man. Look, I think I try my best when I'm out there representing to, to, to say and give credit to, to all of them as best I can. But what, what the announcers and promoters do uh, when they got to do their thing to announce or whatever, it, I have no control over that. So I hope my guys know when I'm speaking and that if out there they say Southside MMA and forget to you know, announce you know, H Legacy Gym or Southside Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, they, they know, you know um, I respect and love them and that the credit is being given uh, whenever I'm, I'm out there representing you know, and I talk about you know how I've come to to be and do what I do, so um, I hope they know that man, and uh, you know it never goes unnoticed. Well, definitely, I hope if they're listening now, they'll they'll feel the love. Oh, for they'll sure. be listening. Yeah. They'll definitely be listening. Shout out, <laughs> shout out, shout out goes out to y'all to, to all of y'all, man. So we're talking about uh, some of those fights. You're talking before one the fighters that you look up to. Um, who is it that helps to inspire or um, you know has given you more insights into your game that you've watched over the years? Oh, um, <clears throat> so in the start, I used to, as I was sort of, was a bit raw and, and still learning the games, trying to look for a lot of guys to emulate. And obviously, Anderson Silva, um, I think if you ask majority of the guys today, they'll, they'll say they, you know, looked up to him at some point, learned off of him and try to emulate his style. So he definitely, um, he taught me a lot by just watching him and I learned a lot from him. Um, but now I look more towards my division, which is the little guys, you know, the smaller guys. And when you compare them, it's just like, man, I'll give TJ Dillashaw as an example. I love, I'm a big, big fan of footwork. I try to, because I didn't get in this game to be a brawler or be a street fighter and just get my brains beat. You know, this is martial arts, so there's, there's a, you know, a counter to everything. And so... If you learn the proper ways to do things and then you can evade the shots and, and have, you know, 
longevity in the sport and not come out freaking slurring your speech and shit like that so i'm a big fan of footwork so tj influences me a lot i love watching his fights whenever he's on i'm like betting on the underdog or favorite whatever he is you know what i mean i yeah. love love tj dillashaw to bits and the footwork and how he's evolved from being just a wrestler to now you know since he joined with Dwayne ludwig his footwork's just phenomenal in the way he beat Henan Barral, whom I trained with Henan Barral for a little bit when I went to Brazil. Whoa. And uh, at the time, he was just a world beater. I think he was 20-something and oh, and then TJ comes out and just demolishes him. Yeah. I'm like, what? No. Uh, with that crazy footwork, that, I yeah. think that was the first time we had, we'd seen it. And uh, he just put it all together, and, and Barral just didn't know, I don't know where shit was coming from. Um, so I love that style. So TJ... He's a big inspiration. I look, I look to to his style a lot to learn from. Um, Demetrius Johnson, of course, got to yeah. look for you know for the mighty one, mighty mouse. Yep. I love his style, man. He's just so fast. It's just so. It's unfortunate that um, you know they traded him, traded him for Ben Askren. <laughs> I don't know why they did that, <laughs> but uh, look, uh, Demetrius Johnson just not only for the martial art that they bring and the skill set, you know, all the entertainment that you know the stuff that they can do. But also, outside of uh, of uh, fighting, the man that they are with their families and their characters and how they are, etc. I, I I look to be, because I have no doubt in my mind that one day I'll be where they at. Um, so, without having experienced it, the only way because we learn from experience. So the only way in trial and error. So the only way for me to learn is without having experienced it yet. Um, is to look to these guys and how they have, you know, done it and, um, and how they, you know, present themselves outside, in and out of the thing. So that's how I want to be, you know, when I look at Demetrius Johnson, TJ Dillashaw, and guys like Anderson Silva, I want to be, um, you know, George St. Pierre type stuff. I don't want to be out there talking shit about my opponents and stuff. You know what I mean? When I'm here, I'm representing who, who teaches me, my family, and uh, friends and all that stuff. And so... Uh, when I'm here, and I think it reflects what I live in my life and all that stuff. So um, those guys definitely are um, sort of the blue that have made the blueprint for what I'm trying to achieve, you know, in and out of the cage. Excellent. So do you have a set, I guess, of values that you underpin as your daily, as as your mantra as to how you live? Um, not necessarily, man. I just try to be a good person um and i know that probably is means a different things to different people um uh, but deep down everyone get it gets it when you say trying to be a good person so you know um smiling to someone that maybe um you see on the street or um holding a door open uh, for someone coming through and saying thanks when you get serviced at a you know fuel station, um, or you know just acts of kindness daily. I think just being a good person because I don't want everybody wants to be happy, right? And you're not you're not going to be happy if you're out there thinking negative thoughts or just being grumpy or angry at something and then letting little things affect you yeah um so i want to be happy and to do what we do as martial artists and train daily we got to be mentally fresh as best you can and physically as well uh, so if you have you know negative thoughts and you're and you're not nice to people and you don't you know 
say thanks, just like common sense type of stuff. Um, you're not gonna do well in this. So I try to live by these basic things. I just want to be a decent human being. I think that's also part of um, what you represent from uh, H Legacy, isn't it? Humble. 100%. Um, humble legacy. And like, if you meet Des, yeah. as you guys have, oh man. The he's, old Uncle Des. I love Uncle Des, <laughs> he's, man. He'll tell you he's done some dark shit in his past. <laughs> uh, but man, today he's one of the nicest, most like giving people you ever meet. Like he will give um, himself, you know, completely to you as far as um helping you grow in in what we do here as as, as fighters um you've got a few fighters at the moment so he'll give himself entirely if he feels like and he sees in you that you're dedicated and committed to it he will commit and dedicate his time to you 100 uh to help you do better and for the simple fact that he just wants you to do better nothing else yeah. so um you know Uncle, Uncle Des himself man one day one day we'll get him on this podcast yeah <laughs> He would yeah. have some uh, deep stories. Send out the invite. I'm sure he'd be happy to come <laughs> out here and talk, talk some stuff. So your fight record at the moment on Sherdog is 6-2? and two. Yes, sir. Um, and you're currently water loading. So me and um, Mr. Chong Ali over here were, were looking at each other kind of like, what's water loading? Is that the what's same as beer loading? Because <laughs> <laughs> we're knocking back some beers right now as we're talking to you. We just, just want to know. What's what? What is water loading? What's this whole strategy? Um, I'll try to give the simple answer. I'm sure there's a lot more to it, and I'm not the expert. Um, I'm lucky to have a guy in my corner who is the expert. Shouts out to Jordan Sull- Sullivan, the aka the fight dietitian. Um, you know, just that plug right there. Nice. Uh, yeah. Shout out Jordan. <laughs> Jordan, you better out take to yourself. You better share this podcast. So, so I leave it all. You know, ever since I, you know, I joined, uh, you know, hands with this guy. He's been in my corner for my last camp, and this one, uh, which has been a blessing because now there's no guesswork. Um, I'm able to just simply train eat, sleep, train, recover, and do what I do um, to the best of my ability. And this man helps me out. So water loading, he has, you know, the science to a T. He works under one of the best guys at the moment in in the weight cutting sort of industry, you know, George Lockhart, uh, who works with, you know, with the likes of Conor McGregor. And so, so, you know, it's a high, high caliber. Um, So water loading basically is... So, so if you think about, okay, so there's, I don't know the gland, the name of the gland, scientific name, but there's this gland in our body that sort of controls um, when you're trying to sweat. So when it comes down to sweating to make weight, right, as we, you know, we're familiar with, with the weight cutting practices, trying to sweat out, you know, the water weight from our body to try to make weight and stuff like that. So <clears throat> by water loading uh, days out from weigh in so when it comes down so let's say um i do my weight cut on a thursday if i water load say 10 days out from that day i'm just super hydrating my body to a point that it just excreting water and just peeing all the time and it's just like oh my god what is this all this water so when it comes time to um cutting the water out of the body obviously at that point then we wouldn't be drinking the water as much uh would be sort of strategically decreasing the amount as the day gets closer 
Um, so when the day comes, we wouldn't be drinking any more water. At that point, we'd just be looking to sweat the water out so that we can make the weight. Um, so when it comes to, so by water loading and super and hyperhydrating your body, when it comes down to cutting the water out of your body, and it gets tough. It's tough when you sweat so much already, and it, we don't we don't cut a whole lot. But when it comes when when dudes cut too much, it gets to a point where your body just doesn't want to give out that water because obviously it wants to survive. So it thinks, yeah. you know, it gets into sort of a survival mode. It will not release the water. So by water loading prior to that point, your body, you trick your body essentially into thinking there's still more water to give. So then you keep sweating. Oh. Essentially, that's what water loading is. Cool. Do you do, you do those baths as well, those salt baths? Yes. Um, so we do the bath so it, it it all comes down there's different methods to to sweat you know there's sauna there's there's the bath there's you know some guys like to to suit up and you know put a sauna suit on put a jumpsuit or whatever jump rope run get on a treadmill um i we have found that for me personally i enjoy um doing the baths it's the most efficient an effective way to 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 lose the water weight it's like the quickest way to do it um you tend to suffer a little bit more <laughs> depending on how hot the water is it sucks especially yeah. the, you know the last couple you know grams long, or whatever how long are you in there for um normally about 20 minutes Ugh. 15 to 20 minutes how hot is the water um it's, it's hot to touch right like hot on the skin right and then yeah it can be but no, look i'll i'll tell you this again that's where jordy comes in such so good because prior to him i was just getting the water as hot as yeah. i possibly could you know sustain um i was like just doing it on my own so i was researching and found the articles that said as hot as you, you know yeah. to you burns your hands but you can't you know what i mean uh but skin's he, peeling. and then yeah <laughs> and then jordy you know came in he's like bro let me check the temperature of this water real quick. I think he put it up to 38 or something. 38 degrees is nothing. It's not that bad. It's nothing. I could literally just chill there. I, I might be a mistake. I'm not sure if it's 38 no, exactly. Yeah. But it's super chill. Like compared, it's too hot that to a point that you still need to sweat. Um, but it's bearable. Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh my God, I'm going to die. So yeah. very, very smart work. So we stay in there for anywhere from you know 15 to 20 minutes and, uh, you know two or three of those we're, yeah. we're good to go so you do the salt bath you jump out and do you like lie under a blanket or something or yeah oh. so um we we do we oh. do so we so i have a sauna suit yeah um so the sauna suit just sort of traps the body heat and temperature in you so we go in the bath yeah I hope I'm not giving out your secrets, uh, Jordy. Uh, so we oh, go you, in the... You, I mean, you, get, you get a lot on the description. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty much out there. But we go in the bath, you know, sweat, whatever. It heats up the core. And then we come out, dry off, and then jump in the sauna suit uh, to trap the heat in. And then we get under some some towels and stuff to, to keep sweating for another, you know, 15 to 20. And then we just sort of alternate and do that to, to make weight. So from normal walking weight from two or three weeks out to... You know, looking like a mummified person. Like, how much weight can does someone drop? I'm gonna need to this for later. <laughs> uh, um, asking for a friend. Asking for a friend. <laughs> look, look. I would not recommend anyone doing this under normal circumstance unless they um, are doing this, you know, professionally and they have uh, professional guidance like I do. Um, so, for anyone who is not in 
in a weight cutting sport, I do not recommend doing this at all because it's not sustainable uh, long term. It's bad, bad, bad for your health. Uh, we do know this as fighters that it is bad for our health, but it, but it, for glory. It's, yeah, it's yeah. it's part of the deal. If you don't do it, you know what I mean. Unfortunately, yeah. we're at a disadvantage. So we try to do as best we can to to lose as much body fat as possible, get the weight as low as we can through diet, mm-hmm. you know, through eating clean and eating good to fuel your training, but still make sure you're losing some weight. Um, and it all depends on the each individual person because um, some guys like to cut more, so they leave a lot more weight to cut last minute type of stuff. So then they'll naturally suffer more because then that weight's got to come from the water of their body, um, as opposed to fat and you know what I mean. You're dropping you know some muscle or whatever. Um, so at the weight that I'm currently fighting at, I'm not cutting a whole lot. Um, I walk around 75 kilos. That's about um, right now, I'm, I don't want to say. Um, right. <laughs> my weight is good. Like, I'll to give you perspective. We're a week ahead of schedule. This time, I made this weight last time, um, and I woke up this morning. The weight that I was um, when I was going into starting to cut the weight last yeah, time. Right. Wow! And I'm still water loading. Haven't oh, cut okay. carbs, stew training, and I'm six days out. Yeah, right. So we're really, really good. We're in a good spot right now. Um, honestly, um, this has been the best training camp we've ever had. Like solid, solid 12 weeks. And uh, yeah. I, I notice this a lot. Like a lot of fighters, when they do talk about this, they always say we because it's always representing a team. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you, do you, is that how you feel when you walk into this? It's about the team not just yourself oh 100 percent, because that's the pressure we put on ourselves as well sometimes it ends up being detrimental because you you put so much pressure because you've done so much work and you obviously want to go out there although it is a selfish sport like i talked about earlier and i'm doing it for me to to evolve or whatever because i want to do it but at the end of the day i have a lot of people that help me get to where to that fight night um, so then it be, it's not just about me. I'll have friends watching and then family from overseas and then sponsors and all that stuff. And so all that pressure mounts. So if you let it affect you, um, it can, you know, completely derail your, your, your fight strategy and, and, and performance. Uh, but yes, at the end of the day, it's about the team as well as yourself. So I'm going to take it back. I'm going to, I'm going to change the angle of the conversation. Yeah. Just for a little bit, Diego. So, um, like, from what I'm hearing now, the, the weight cut and everything, like, it's in a very good position. The team is starting to come together. 100%. You know, you're, you're in a good spot. I remember there was a little while back, though, where you had a bit of a low point. And I guess that you were, there was one stage in your career where I guess you were, you were second-guessing yourself. Can you tell us a little bit about what you went through mentally during that phase? I don't know if you want to paint the picture too much, but what you went through mentally at that phase and what you used to bounce back. Um, oh, it's getting deep. Yeah. This is Shen, just changed his position. Shen's dug that one up. <laughs> I think we were, we were having like a personal conversation one time and it was like, hey, man, whatever. Uh, but no, uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll speak on that a little bit. I think um, this... And this, it's more so for the guys who are going through, who go through this because, you yeah. know, a lot of people do go through a, 
I guess, a mental depression at some point. 100%. You know, and um, uh, I guess how you combat that and then how you... Because it doesn't happen straight away. That's the thing, right? Yeah. Like, if you're going through a state of mind where you're not confident in yourself or you're second-guessing yourself, you can't expect it to, to come back, to bounce back straight away. Yeah. It takes time. It does. So, I know that we were talking maybe three, four years ago. Yeah. And uh, we had this conversation... Um, I remember, like the like you, you were second guessing without going into detail. Obviously, you were second guessing yourself and what you want to do in life. So, yeah, talk us through it. Yeah, no, that's good. I think uh, we, we if this can serve as a example and motivation for anyone out there, then I'll be happy to share. Um, so it, it was like as you said, like three or four years ago. I think this was before I went to Jackson Wink overseas. Um, I think we were sort of going through a transition with our current gym or, or coaches were, were leaving, something was happening, I'm not sure. But it, it, the environment wasn't the same for a while, so I think that was affecting the training, the I mean, quality of the you're training. You were about to turn pro or just turn pro or something, something like that? Something like that, yeah. yeah. So, so, so it was a little bit off, something was off and I was, wasn't sure. So because the training and everything wasn't, wasn't where I felt like it was – it needed to be for me to continue on, you know, to achieve uh, great heights. I that's where you know I was like sort of second guessing, uh, but then I went overseas for for a little bit. And that's when I made the decision to go overseas. I think I went to Brazil. So I noticed you just said that. So where the training environment was what kept you second guessing, but you always had in your mind you knew where you were going. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So it, it, you obviously can't succeed by yourself. Right, especially in this sport, like you can't. There's one thing to have athletic ability. There's one thing to have talent and all that stuff. But if you don't have the correct guidance and people who have done it and have your best interests at heart, and the right training partners that also want to sort of go to where you're going, type of stuff, you're not going to succeed in that environment. And that's just the truth. You know, that's a fact. Um, and so. You could perhaps compete as an average athlete in the local regional scene, but you definitely wouldn't make it big time. And I didn't get in this sport to just make chump change and just be some some local guy. Um, from when I decided I'm going to make this a career and whatever, I knew I'm, I want to make, you know, I'm going to get to the top. So I had that in my mind and it's never left. You know, I want to be great. Uh, because I, you know, I I know my abilities, and I know my potential, um, so I just didn't have the right environment at that time. Um, so that's when I just, you know, made the decision to go overseas, etc. And uh, you know, went to Brazil for a little bit, trained with the, you know, world famous Nova União back when they was still, you know, Claudio Gadelha, Henan Barral, Jose Aldo, and a bunch of other guys. Daniel Almeida, who is. Uh, BJJ Black Belt, well known here in Australia. He's he's from that team as well. Um, and some other guys as well. They based in Melbourne. I'm not sure their names. Anyway, so I spent some time there. Went overseas, and that served me well. Um, but then I came back. You know, trained over here a little bit longer, and then I went to Jackson Wink. Um, I found out they had um, you know dorm rooms in the gym there, and 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 hit them up and they're like hey send an application we'll, we'll have a look and uh, if you like you we'll, we'll you know we'll let you come and train yeah mad. and uh man 
it's been one of the best decisions I've ever made, and I've been back like four times. And uh, ever since then, just, oh, as you guys know, it's like Jackson Wink has won. Obviously, they had their adversities, whatever. Uh, but they, they are, they're well known for their training and the quality of the people that train there and the coaches that they have. Uh, you know, Greg Jackson, Coach Winko John, and a lot of other coaches that used to be fighters under Greg Jackson and stuff that are now coaching the next generation that a lot of people don't may not know about. Um, it, they are bringing up the next generation. They're really, really good. And those are the guys that really, like, help me uh, develop my game. And also, you know, training partners that I met there from all different corners of the globe and different states of the U.S. and, you know, you know the countries. Um, so I got myself to the right environment when I went there. And uh, then I learned that I can do this to, to the level of the best. Because at that time, and this was years ago, the first time I went there, I got loads of ass whoopings day in and day out from like, for you to have an idea, the first day I, I spent at Jackson Wink was a sparring day. And right off the bat, I sparred with Diego Brandao. Damn. I sparred with John Dodson, Holly Holm, and uh, some other killers out there, but they just completely demolished me. And, you know, it was like child's play. I was like, oh, yeah, fantastic. Um, <laughs> but, hey, it, and, and for you to have an idea, just training with those guys day in and day out and then learning from them also and uh, just allowing yourself to not be broken down and be like, fuck, maybe this is not for me type of thing. It's like realizing, look, I got you know, some, some, some road to cover here. So I just got to take my licks and learn from it, go back to the Met the next day, take more licks, and then again. And then each day I started getting better. I think I spent three months there the first time. Just wow. Just like living and breathing in the dorms and walk downstairs, train, walk upstairs, eat, sleep, train, you know, just doing that. There's nothing to do out there in Albuquerque but train and then run mountains. And like there's nothing else. And so it's a great, great, it's like they call it, you know, the fight, you know, city, fighting city. Um, and it's a great spot for that. And uh, I've made some long-lasting friendships and uh you know i've developed a lot as a human being and i got to know a lot about myself because when you're out alone like you gotta understand i walked into this gym it's like they talk about you got to step out your comfort zone to grow man and that was like the ultimate for me i mean the first one was leaving my home country of brazil to come live in australia it's like completely you know the, the other side of the world um and then Going to America, whom I didn't know anyone, I didn't have family, I didn't have friends, nothing. So I had to literally start from the beginning um, and like living in dorm rooms with, you know, four or five other guys in the same room you didn't even know. So that's, you know, that builds character and uh, mental toughness. So, I, you know, toughened that one out three months and then boom, grew, came back, had fights and then reconnected with Des, Paul, with everybody. And then, we, you know, we sort of restarted and then. I went back, you know, many more times after that, and that's where we at. That's awesome. Good to hear. And so, now the future. So you've you've we've gone gone through some battles. You've got your record at the moment. You've got a uh, co-main event that's coming up against a very worthy adversary. Can you tell us a little bit about your opponent? What you know about them? 
um, I know his name is Aaron Blackie. That's a good start. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know he's a strong competitor. Um, I've watched his fights. He likes to impose himself, and um, he's a, I think, believe a judo black belt and a jiu-jitsu black belt. So I think he's finished most of his opponents uh, via submission. So he's good in what he does. Um, so we we're not not underestimating this guy. He's he's good in what he does. We know what we need to do to beat him. Um, and that's it. Keeping playing his cards close to his <laughs> chest, eh? It's like, yeah, we just. I'm gonna tell him all the things that they already know. <laughs> I'm down here watching Diego as he's talking. Yeah, he's, you can see the, the he's wheels thinking, are turning. He's yeah. thinking, he's thinking. All right, let's let's just not give anything away. Hey, Diego, have you played poker by any chance, man? <laughs> I don't actually. I don't even know how to play. You'd it, be man. great at it, man. Pair of sunglasses. You got this. You got this. Um, so, uh, in the future, you know, you've, you've talked about um, about your future, greatness, etc. Where do you see yourself in five years' time? What's the plan for Diego? I'm gonna make the UFC by the time I'm 30. And how old are you now? I'm 26. 26. Um, and what are you gonna do I've to get there? I've set that goal. I've set that. Goal. I gotta keep doing what I'm doing. Um, keep, keep winning. Keep, uh, keep improving as an athlete, as a martial artist, um, and uh, just allow time to do its thing, man. You and, know, and as long, yeah. And so, in in the Australian fight scene now, um, not to get ahead of yourself, obviously you have a bout coming out very shortly. Who is right now um, the number one, two, or three ranked competitors that you think you need to face off in order to get that recognition in Australia? Um, I don't know, to be honest. I'm not really out there, you know, paying attention to all these guys. I'm just worrying about me. Um, I'm worrying about staying active. I'm worrying about getting better. And uh, I just let them line them up, and uh, I'll keep beating them in my work. Yeah. Show. So, um, Eternals this uh, Saturday, twenty third. Yes, sir. If people need to, uh, if people want to follow you online, how do they find you? Um, I'm on all social: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Diego Pereira MMA. So that's D I E G O P E R E I R A M M A, all one word. Nice. So, any final thank yous? Um, yeah, absolutely. I'd just, uh, like to give a shout out to my uh, coaches and uh, training partners. And again, Paul Stolia, Paul Heem, Daz Maya, family, you know, my uncle, uh, Miguel, who, who is, you know, a father figure to me, who is the one who brought me to Australia and sort of gave me oh, this Miguel, incredible start. The machine. You know, Miguel, if you're listening. Uh, nice. Great, great guy, man. And um, friends, you know, my training partners. I don't want to go into you know who who is who because there's just too many of them and I don't want to leave anyone else. So uh, thank you everyone for for helping me prepare for this next fight. Uh, my sponsors, shout out to to the fight dietitian Jordan Sullivan, uh, Matt TikTok Nutrition, um, Atlas the Atlas brand, um, and also Life Invest, who is uh, you know one one of my uh, one one company my uncle is involved in. Uh, Life Invest and uh, a new sponsor. I uh, just acquired 
a few days ago Look for, at you. for this, Damn. Uh, yeah, right. so I just wanna right. just wanna give a shout out to uh hardcore four by four. Yeah. You know, they yeah. based Congrats, in uh, Slacks Creek out around there, well done, Woodridge. Uh, so if you need any, you know, four by four accessories, hit them up. They, hardcore four by four. Yes, sir. So yeah, everyone else, man, who's been rocking with me for a bit. And obviously, last but not least, thank you to the Dojo Live Podcast, Mr. My Shan. <laughs> Master Shan. And uh yeah, bros. Yeah, bros. All day, baby. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you, sir. I appreciate it, man. Um, so at the end of the show, uh, I usually try to chime in and pick the fighters' brains a little bit. You know, what I mean, I'm just trying to look for like the most efficient way to learn things. You know, what I mean, when I have these guys sitting in the seat, uh, in the hot seat, I try to take these opportunities. You know, what I'm saying, man. So um, for you, like as an MMA athlete, you know, and you're trying to, you're competing. At you know, like at these levels that are, you're and pushing no, your body. No, no, just uh, Diego's a very well accomplished BJJ Brown belt. Oh, as absolutely, well. yeah, absolutely. So, so I just want to put that in there. Oh, Look at that smile on his face. He's <laughs> like, yeah, bros. Yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> you better recognize it. Um, so just just within the MMA game in general, like w- if you could like give an amateur right, and you can give him one thing to work on for the next six months, that's going to improve his overall game. And you told him, hey, man, for the next six months, I want you to concentrate on this one element of MMA, whether it be training, whether it be a technique, whether it be a mindset, whatever. What do you think is the most important thing to uh, to spend their time on? Ooh, tough question. That's what I do, bro. Uh, <laughs> man, there's so much that you need to learn, but one big factor that always affects everybody from the lowest level to the highest level even when they the most well accomplished guy you know skill wise and they have all the titles and, and glory and fame or whatever is the mental side of things um and that comes with experience also so it's hard to say just work on your mental for the next six months, focus on that 100% type of thing and then neglect your skill type stuff. So um, so I'd say one thing that you gotta do early is identify and find a good team, a good coach that can guide you. Preferably who has done it before, who's been there, who knows what he's talking about. So do your you know, you research, find that person, make sure you guys connect. And uh, from there, you want to learn the basics and learn the fundamentals, learn it well. Drill it to your freaking cows come home. Uh, and then again. And from the get-go, there's literally endless amounts of literature and info out there on the mental aspects of performance um i was actually listening to a, a mental performance type of uh, audiobook on my way here it's called um the brave athlete you know shut the fuck up and just do it that's oh, wow. the title of the book the brave athlete shut the fuck up and just do it I language think, I, of water. I, I, yes I think, I think that's the the wise words that old diego will tell young <laughs> yeah. <Diego. laughs> yeah and like look man it's like it goes hand in hand the skill with the mental you got to practice both as i as i alluded to earlier so find a good coach 
Make sure you connect with him. Make sure he's, he's, he's got your best interest at heart. Learn the fundamentals well and never, you know, give it up for some fancy stuff because um, you can always fall back on that and get on your mental practice early. Always visualize yourself and where you want to be and then your training as well. So it goes in hand physical and mental and get after it. There's going to be a lot of amateur fighters out there. I'm like, yeah, man, I got to practice my mental get that book what's that what's that book called again <laughs> the book is called the brave athlete shut brave the fuck athlete. up and just do it it's right. the title of the book <laughs> there are many book great books yeah, out there yeah. but uh this but that is, one sales just skyrocketed yeah, <laughs> this is the one i'm sort of into right now all right fantastic diego thank you so much for your time thank you for coming to uh dojo life i guess it's the the reboot again <laughs> we're trying again <laughs> No, fantastic. We've um, we wanted to get you in, in the show previously, and uh, the timing wasn't right before. But uh, man, you're the the first cab off the rank. We just thought we'd start strong with the Black Panther. Wow, well, I feel <laughs> I feel extremely privileged to be here. So thank you, thank you. I thank, appreciate it. Thank you very much, Diego. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much for listening in. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more. Uh, interested comments that's going to come out of this conversation or we're going to continue talking anyway we might you might be able to listen into a bit of the outtakes later on but uh thanks very much for tuning in